if you are listening to this, congratulations, you have survived the eclipse portal. At 9.24pm UK time, the moon in Taurus will be hitting the peak, bringing the cycle on the Taurus Scorpio axis to a close, and the portal that has covered the past couple of weeks as well. Eclipses are a time to remove what is not good for you, be it your toxic spouse, people that are an energy drain, limiting belief or distractions. Whatever it was for you, you may be wondering, what now? And this is the question I'll be answering for you with the transits for the waning moon leading up to the new moon in Scorpio on November the 13th. If you're new here, welcome. Star News is my fortnightly look at the upcoming transits in between the main moon phases of new and full and pulling tarot cards for the community to help us ground the energy of the cosmos. The main show drops on Thursdays and I and my guests are here to support you in building a life you don't want to escape from. I'm Alexis, a portrait photographer with a passion for all things stars and witchcraft and this is my space to explore how the Western esoteric tradition can help us modern folks, especially women, let go of the conditioning from 2000 odd years of a Christian dominant society and become more empowered to go after the version of ourselves that we truly want to be. On which topic? A quick shout out to my newsletter Witchy Musings over on Stabstack where you can find the Scorpio season newsletter talking about change and tomorrow I will be dropping the first of a short series deconstructing some aspects of Catholicism. If you're into the more spiritual aspects of being a witch then that's the place to be. Postcast is more practical although it is a sage so there's plenty of myth and philosophy to go around. And those of you who are long-standing members of this community, welcome back. Thank you for your continuous support as we head towards the one year anniversary. I'm truly humbled that so many of you allow me into your energy week after week. As I mentioned, we are starting the next couple of weeks with the moon in Taurus after a hella long void course in Aries, which is almost like she's coming out of being a hermit like, remember me? The eclipse will be at 5 degrees, which is a Leo degree if you work with degree theory, and it feels beautifully poetic to end an eclipse cycle with the vibe of coming out of it like the queen or king of your life. Leo is a sun ruled sign, so the spotlight is on you as you transition through your next phase of your life. Especially my fellow Scorpio risings, for whom the eclipse is on our ascendant descendant axis and the new year's cycle is just starting. Mercury and Mars are entering conjunction at the 11th and 10th degree, while the moon is also in a Taurus stellium as Jupiter and Uranus are still retrograding the sign, with Pluto still making their way back out of Capricorn after turning direct, and the rest of the planets on the Virgo Pisces axis, and two of them also still retrograde, 
Scorpio season started with even less air or fire than my birth chart, which is saying something. It's a yin sky until the 8th, when Venus will enter Libra and shift the balance a little, with a slightly longer transit than the three days that the moon gives us, which is entering Gemini on the 30th, before another water sign in Cancer, and then Leo on the 4th, ahead of the last quarter the next day. We only have the nodes and Chiron left on a young axis. Now, it's easy to think of the feminine-masculine balance as being about action and inaction, but that would be a misunderstanding of what these energies actually are. We talk about them as giving and receiving and in such gender terms because it's easier on our brains. We have our lizard brains which understand feeding, mating and defence. If you look at the balance of which signs make up which energy, you see Virgo and Capricorn, and Taurus to an extent, and also Cancer if you look at the mother archetype specifically, but mostly the earth signs as the, the, uh, the feminine join. And then on the masculine side you have Sagittarius, Aquarius, to an extent Gemini, it has a lot of sit and think energy to it. And Leo also can be a sit there and let everyone bask in your presence kind of energy, rather than a doing energy. And if you think of Mars in traditional astrology, you see the planet of action ruling over one of the female energies, Scorpio. So it's not quite as black and white as people make it out to be. We are not being told to build a blanket fort and go into hiding for a week. The difference between these two ways of acting is the source of the action. If you are taking feminine action, you move from inspiration. If you are taking masculine action, you move from strategy. Maybe it's the manifesto in me, but the language of inspiration feels a bit confusing to me, because in terms of making art, it's often the case that you move from discipline and then the inspiration will come. So I don't mean to say masculine action is never inspired and therefore it's a lesser energy if you're into magic. She's a common attitude in certain circles, so I thought it needed to be said. First of all, we need both, and secondly, they are not as clear-cut. The archetypes of the signs and the planets shift based on the combinations in which they find each other, and in the case of planets like Venus, also based on where they are in relation to the Sun. And that's without even looking at the aspects that they make with each other. Just the planet-sign combination alone is already 12 shades of energy. If you look at a chart in its totality, it's so much more complex and beautiful. I've already mentioned in passing that Mars and Mercury are travelling close together, and they do so in opposition to Jupiter in Taurus. Jupiter transits are considered positive, even when they are hard aspects, because it's one of the two key benefits they are to be in Venus. So it's an amplification of the energy of the two planets over there in Scorpio. And something that I've been working with lately is how the axis is around Taurus bringing a gentle practicality to the heaviness of Scorpio season. And this year's Scorpio season in particular. There's some mindfulness and intentionality to ground the heavy emotions if we tune into it. On a practical level, this is a good time to deepen your somatic practice, or start one if you haven't yet, and or a 
pleasure practice. They are not the same thing. Anyway, Venus is the major player of the week leading up to her ingression into Libra. We have a trine with Uranus on Samhain, which is of course the next big solar holiday. But in this transit, it gives a flavor of liberation to the day, so it's good for any magical workings around self-expression or any ancestral work around emancipating yourself from influences in your lineage. On the third, we have two major oppositions, the Sun and Jupiter and Venus and Neptune. So to me, we're still working with looking at life with the bird's eye view, which is an undercurrent of all the transits so far. On the fourth, Saturn, which threatened to enter Aquarius, will station direct. So my sympathy goes to those of you who are about to be hit by their Saturn return twice. Which, by the way, was the case for me. In fact, I was hit twice direct and once in retrograde. But that's a story for another time. Then there will be some movement later in the afternoon as Mercury hits opposition with Uranus. So a uh, date for the diary if you need to brainstorm something new. On the 6th and 7th we have two trines, Venus and Pluto, and then Mercury and Neptune respectively. I'd say the most interesting of the two, since the Mercury transits are quite common, is the first one. Especially since it's in the late degrees of Capricorn before Pluto returns to Aquarius for the rest of these generational transit. There's an energy of tizing loose ends from this retrograde and making sure we dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's. But I think Mercury Neptune is still a beautiful energy of bringing forth the gifts of the imagination, which aren't quite as out there as we often make them out to be. As I mentioned earlier, on the 8th we have Venus back home in Libra. She will not have any aspects for a time, but a planet in domicile is still a big deal. Most predictions out there will be focusing on love, but this is also a fertile time for artists, since one theme of Libra is refined aesthetics and the arts, which are a Venusian theme in both of her domiciles. On the 9th, we have Mercury set style Pluto at 29 degrees before entering to Sag on the 10th and hitting Saturn in a square in a matter of hours. If you have something that needs research that's circling around your energy, this is a good time to empty your schedule and focus on that. Then we close the two weeks ahead of the new moon with Mars opposite Uranus on the 11th and then the Sun opposite Uranus on the 13th itself. The new moon is happening at 20 degrees with Mars at 22 degrees, so pretty much conjunct. It's the first new moon since the eclipses, so and also if you start the year as Samhain, which I do because it makes sense for me as a Scorpio rising, it's the first one of the year. That's a pretty powerful deal, even without Mars practically on top of it, but this time you get the energy of action and willpower propelling your intentions forward. For me, this is a really good lunar cycle to really go small with intentions rather than big. Or what I mean is you set really big intentions, 
but then be precise about it if you do that. Reverse engineer how to get there. Tune into what aligned action you can take from the get-go. And then focus the cycle on actually taking those actions. Maybe this is really obvious to you, but I have fallen into the trap of just setting the high goals and then get bogged down by the end like day-to-day life and it gets to the full moon and I'm like well I've been busy doing everything but any action that would move the needle on the intentions I set and also I see it a lot in the spaces I'm in so like we are encouraged to dream big and not hold ourselves back when visualizing a direction we want to go and sure can quantum leap into a six figures month in one day if you have 12 clients signing up to your 10k a month mastermind the moment you open it not saying that that's not possible and it's not to say that there's anything wrong with big dreams hold the space for whatever you desire but what you are doing this week what are you doing today heck what are you doing five to ten minutes after i pull out cards for the fortnight and the episode ends and I send you off with my usual tagline and my best wishes because if you aren't taking action on your intentions what you have are daydreams you use to escape your reality and self-regulate and there is nothing wrong with that unless it's excessive in which case psychologists will say there is something wrong however if you truly intend to manifest those things into the material reality the energy you put out matters and action speaks louder than words in this situation for all of the power that words have. Your subconscious needs to be primed to seeing you through the lens of the identity that you are moving towards. If you aren't quite there yet, you can still take some actions to get you closer. Maybe there are some versions of you in between you and the intention, and that's okay. But as Yoda said, do or do not, there is no try. Carve it into your brain, your soul, tattoo it where you can see it if you must, but start living from this energy and this new moon set intentions with strategy and purpose. And since it's a new season, and we're out of the eclipse portal and it's Scorpio season, while well, that, I have pulled a full spread for a change. I'm used over three spreads from the major arcana set in the Labyrinthos app, but eventually settled for the Wheel of Fortune. The Wheel of Fortune spread, as the name suggests, is designed to move with the cycles, which is apt as we leave one eclipse cycle and start the next one after a nodal shift, and ties in with many Scorpio themes around change and transformation and alchemizing the lessons of the cycle, etc. And actually, it's my first time using this spread, so I have no idea what to expect for the positions. The first position is the self, and we have the two of pentacles. Then we have environment, which is the state of the world around us and how it influences our choices where we have the lovers. Next up is four cards that are associated with the seasons. For winter, which is our time to rest and gather energy and taking a break for preparing for renewal, we have the Hierophant reversed. Spring is the time for growth and this card is what is coming into fruition and we have a page of pentacles. Summer, which is the peak season and the time of abundance and full moon energy, asking us what we can appreciate, celebrate and be thankful for, is the magician. And finally we have autumn, the time of loss and moving on, 
which is the current season as far as the cycle of the earth goes and here we find the three of wands so this spread is dominated by upright cards and by major arcana although technically it's three majors and three minors but in the minors we have two numbers and a core card and I read them as separate the numbers that they cover are all low numbers including the majors the highest we have is a set so they're still kind of like a starting energy to the whole spread and the page is sort of an outside like outside the numbers and it's technically 11 but the core cards for me have a cycle after the completion of the suit and in that cycle it is the first card in the way that the majors are the macrocosm and the minors are the microcosm the core cards for me sit in the in-between where the big universal themes begin to take shape out of the maturity that comes from reaching the end of the leveling up in the suit. So my deck tends to be fairly dark in the choice of colors, but all of the cards this time are quite bright. There is a lot of light blue and a lot of red and orange and dark green. Pentacles is the suit that comes up the most and the only other one is Wands, which stands somewhat in contrast with the very feminine themes, not only of the spread, but of the cosmic season we just talked about today. What stands out to me is that both the cards of the self and the card of the environment have a theme of choice and duality. What the lovers is technically a sixth card in the majors, it revolves around two people. So to me it speaks of the choice we always have about how we choose to see the circumstances around us. We are going through some really hard times and as much as I like to provide an escape from the anxiety they provoke by focusing on the things we can control, which tends to be ourselves and to an extent our circumstances, because the rest of our circumstances are what the Wheel of Fortune is about, but we can't ignore that we are in such times. There is a difference between choosing not to let it define our experience and being blind to it like the figures in this card. And another thing that strikes me about this poll, the lovers has a prominent religious theme in the presence of an angel, but also a red ribbon that is providing both a blindfold and hand ties to the lovers. While it can easily represent the all-consuming obsessive love we associate with Scorpio, which let me tell you as a Scorpio moon is nothing new to me, the same thread appears in the Hierophant. The booklet doesn't really say why the artist chose the red ribbon, but the two cards follow one another and the two characters at the feet of the Hierophant since both these cards have this theme of duality but also a trinity in it are not bound by the ribbon which they are holding reverently but loosely over the hands of prayer but in this spread we move from the lover enveloped in this red ribbon to this freely embraced devotion instead and we are asked to look inwards since it is reversed. What influences on our lives are ready to be released because they no longer serve us. From this place we find ourselves planting the first seed of abundance, which is material, not just in the sense of money, which is how we use it as a euphemism, and there is a wisdom and maturity to this page that is lacking in the other pages, since after all it is the last of them he or she depending on the deck it's a boy here so 
Paige loves to understand the mechanics of things and manipulate things and, dare I say, energy, since money is the energy of exchange and other things that are a part of the material are energy in a more mundane sense, like the frequency of sound or the electricity or movement, etc. There is a curiosity and a sense of possibility to all the pages. There are inner children before cynicism is instilled in us, if we are raised by adults carrying their own trauma and wounds rather than adults who have mastered money and resources the way that the queen and king have. And then we have the magician as what we can celebrate, which is probably a cliche as a celebration of ourselves, but whether you alchemized through inner work or have actually manifested new things in the outer world, this cycle you have done a lot of more than most people and that alone is worth celebrating without even touching the results. And of course they can be celebrated too. Also again, celebrate yourself for being on this journey as the embodied magician, learning to master the whole of reality, because practitioners are always learning and going deeper, no matter how many years they have been at it. Finally, the last card being wands and the three is about the creative potential that is hidden in the cycle as it comes to a close. Like the fruit on a tree contains the f seed that will plant in the next tree. I also always contain the seed of what's coming next. The three of wands is a card of movement. There is always an imbalance in the other numbers in the tarot and the imbalance is uh, what propels us out of stagnation. So the sense of this spread for me overall is to keep moving. The choice to live a magical life is ours. We have what we need on the material plane to make it happen. So with this invitation, I will let you go to keep pondering these themes. I'll be over on Substack tomorrow and back with part two of my conversation with Beth on Thursday. Have a blessed Samhain if you celebrate and until next time, keep living in wonder.